Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. And I want to read uh, part of the Palm Sunday story, and then I'm going to preach a short message so you can get to your Palm Sunday lunch. I don't even think that's a thing, but I just made it up. Matthew 20, 21, I'm going to read from verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to the disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately... I will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees. And spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. This... um, it's such a well-known story and it's such a powerful story when we, uh, when we look at this. And, and of course, it's Palm Sunday and we're looking at this story and celebrating it. And uh, it's, it's such a powerful moment because this is really, it's, it's almost a climactic moment in the life of Jesus. Because prior to this, Jesus has been doing mighty works and he's been doing miracles and Some of the miracles that Jesus actually did after he performed the miracle, he would say to people, don't go and tell anyone about this. Which is interesting. It shows you how strategic Jesus was with what he was doing and when he was doing it. He didn't want everyone to know at that time. This was this more more and more highlights to us the importance of how powerful this moment is because this is the moment where Jesus is revealed in a sense as the King of Kings. What this moment was, it's, it's more than just, we talk about it almost like it's a bit of a praise party. You know, it's, it's more than just a praise party going on here. This was not just symbolic of, of Him being the King of Kings. This was a fulfilment of a prophecy and the prophecy in Zechariah 9 verse 9 where it talks about he will come as a king on a donkey and what we have to understand in this story and I want to set it up for you because I want you to understand what's happening is you have we have the temple and Jesus is riding on a donkey toward the temple and and I've been to this this place and you can stand there and see this whole um this outlay in front of you, you have the, the temple and the temple had different gates. This gate that we're talking about is called the Eastern Gate or otherwise it's, it's known as the King's Gate. It's this huge gold gate on one side on the eastern side of the temple. And 
it has this pathway that comes from, begins up at the Mount of Olives and it comes down, it goes across through the Kidron Valley up toward the Eastern Gate or the King's Gate. And what this was, was when, when the kings of Israel, they would come down and when they were pronounced as king, what they would do is, David did this, Solomon did this. What they would do is they would ride down on a white horse down this path up toward the king's gate. That's why it's called the king's gate. And they'll go up toward the king's gate. No one else used this gate. No one else went there. It was just for the kings. That's why this moment is so symbolic because this was the moment where Jesus was declaring, I am the King of Kings. This is Jesus coming down. So He's taking this journey, this same journey that kings prior to this would take as as a proclamation of their kingship on a white horse, Jesus is taking this same journey, but He's not on a horse. Of course, we know the story. He's on a donkey. And this story is, it's, it's actually a powerful moment. But within this story, there are so many different, uh, if you like, perspectives that people have. There's so much controversy surrounding this story and, and surrounding this scenario that is going on. You've got Jesus who not only is He not in, in the natural sense a, a king that has a throne, therefore in the natural sense shouldn't be going down through the king's gate. Not only is that, He's not on a horse, He's on a donkey. It's controversial. The Pharisees... They didn't like this. You know the Pharisees. The Pharisees were like the ones that they just ruined every party. They always had a problem with what was going on. They were the ones that told you to turn the music down. The Pharisees were the ones that came out and said, it's 10 o'clock, everyone needs to go home. The Pharisees are the one that just killed the vibe every single time. So you have this party. I mean, it's blowing up. It's getting crazy. You know, you can buy glow-in-the-dark palms. You know what I mean? There's like a guy there. You know, palm glow sticks, you know, it's like getting crazy. It's awesome. And the Pharisees are the one in the middle of the party. They're going, no, no. They're going, stop. This is not how it's meant to be. The Pharisees are the one, they're saying he's not meant to be. If he's really a king, he'll be on a horse. The Pharisees are upset. They're, they're rattled. What are they rattled? They're rattled by the process. They're rattled by the form of what's going on. So rattled by the process that they miss the prize of who Jesus really is. They're, they're so focused on the fact that He's going about it a different way. He's not doing it the way He's meant to do it, the religious form. They're, they're so rattled by it, they're trying to kill this whole vibe. The Pharisees hate it. Then you have, you have the multitude. And the multitude, I mean, these are the partiers. I mean, these are the dudes that they don't just come to the party, they bring the party with them. These are the ones that they, 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 they showed up there. I mean, these dudes are pumped. They, I mean, they are excited. These are the ones, they're yelling out, Hosanna. They, I mean, they're all about it. I mean, they're, they're doing what they're doing. I don't know what this is. I've got to be honest with you. I just felt to do something. They're, they're, they're outside the stage. They're the one. They're taking their jackets off. They're like throwing jackets. They're ripping down. It says they're pulling palm. 
They're pulling palm trees off the, you know, palm leaves off the trees. I mean, this, this part is getting wild. These guys, these are the ones that are excited. But if you look at really what's going on, and if you study it, you'll see, and we, we often talk about this group like these are the praises. And there's, there's, there's a message in there, I've preached it before, there's a message in there about, about the praise that's going on. But really, if you look at what's happening, you'll see that they're not so much praising as much as they are celebrating. Because there's a difference between praise and celebration. See, the interpretation of the word Hosanna means save us. What these people were doing See, these people were aware of the prophecy that said a king will come. These people are the Jewish people that had been waiting for a deliverer that was going to deliver them from Roman oppression. So they're in this moment. They're not, go with me for a second. They're not essentially, they're not actually praising who he is, as much as they are celebrating what they think he's about to do. They're saying, Hosanna, save us. They're saying, this is our moment. This dude's about to go in there. They say, we don't care if he's on a donkey. I don't care if he's riding a tractor. If he gets up in there and sets us free from Roman rule, I'm going to make some noise for this guy. This represents, I think, people in church where we believe in for God to do a breakthrough. But then look at what happens when the process. See, they thought it's gonna, this is going to progress. We're going to praise Him now and He's going to keep going and He's going to blow up these Romans and we're about to have a party. We're about to get set free. But when the process deviates and instead of praising Jesus all the way to the throne, He deviates off track to where they thought he was going to go. And instead of a throne, he ends up on a cross. There's no praises to be found at the cross. The same people that were supposedly praising him, turns out their praise was not really praise. It was a celebration at what they thought Jesus was going to do. And the moment he didn't do what they thought he was going to do, they bounced and they were nowhere to be seen. There's another group of people. There's a group of people, and, and it was the end of last, it's in the last verse that we read, where it says there's the multitude, but then there's the villages, people that were living in Jerusalem. Now, these people are just chilling. They're not, they're not really in the party, so to speak. The party sort of got came, brought to their house. These are the, these are the, this is the neighbour that's beside your house when you're having the party that doesn't like the noise that's going on. That's what these people are. These people are in Jerusalem and it says when Jesus came in and the party came with Jesus, these people are saying, the Bible says that they were moved. But when it, they were moved by the noise, moved by the crowd, if you look at that word moved and what it means, it doesn't mean moved in a positive sense like we'll say, I was moved, I was touched. The interpretation for that move means for that word move means they were agitated. These are the people that have everything in order. These are the people that have everything set up. They're nice, 
life. These are the people living in Jerusalem with a pretty house and the pretty picket fence and a white fluffy dog called Spot. These are the people that have their lawn cut and their grass clean and their flowers at the front. But then all of a sudden this Jesus comes into their town and starts to make some noise. And the Bible says, That they asked the multitude, they asked, and they asked this incredible question. They said, Who, who is this? See, there's a message in there for us. If you don't know who Jesus is, you'll always get agitated at those people that do. If you don't know who he is, they're the people that, 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 that they don't like someone who's excited about Jesus. They're the ones that get agitated during praise because they say it's too loud. They're the ones that don't want you to get excited during the message. They're the ones that, that they don't like it when we're doing four, three services, two services. Why, do, why can't we just do once? They're the ones that get rattled. Like you're, you, you get agitated when you don't get a revelation. Once you get a revelation of who He is, how many know something changes in your all of a sudden once you get it in your spirit that He is King of Kings, that He is Lord of Lords, that if it was not for Him, I wouldn't be here. You don't mind making a little bit of noise because you know that He's your Saviour. He's not just He's not just a church thing. It's not just a religious thing. I know it's Palm Sunday, but I need someone to praise Him for who He is in your life. So they ask this question. And they say, who is this? And then they explain. The thing about this story, and I read over this and over this. One of the challenges when you're preaching a message on like a day like Palm Sunday is I'm so mindful that we've all heard Palm Sunday messages 30,000 times. And I'm not for a second going to try and preach something to you that you haven't heard before. I just want to tell you what I felt God put in my spirit about this story. Because I went over it and over it. I was talking to Pastor Javon. I've been looking at this story for three days. Looking at all of these different angles, all of these studying, 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 looking at And then God just dropped something so simple into my spirit. And I believe there's a message in this for us. Because as we look at this story... And we look at all of these different, even the things I've shared, you could preach, there's different angles you could preach off the things I've shared about everything surrounding this incredibly controversial, exciting, powerful story that we talk about and celebrate on Palm Sunday. There's the controversy of of what Jesus was doing. There's the praise of the crowd, the excitement of what was going on, the the prophetic demonstration that this was or declaration this was. But when I looked at this story and, and continued to look at it more, something jumped out at me that I hadn't seen before. And it wasn't, hear my heart, it wasn't even Jesus on the donkey. It wasn't the crowd. It was real simple. It was just two guys. Two disciples that went and got a donkey for Jesus. In this story, if we were to go to each of these people that I talked about, if you were to go to the multitude, they would give you their version of the story. If you went up to one of the people, multitude, one of the palm waving people, 
And he said, bro, tell me about Palm Sunday. He's going to say, oh, bro, that, I mean, this party was off the dial. Like we climbed up trees. We were ripping down palm leaves off trees. I took all my clothes off and laid them down, man. This, it was crazy. I've never been to a party like it. If you ask the Pharisees, they would have a perspective. They would say, I have never been so disgusted in all of my life. I couldn't believe it. This dude was riding down. He wasn't even on a horse. He was on a stinky, mangy, smelly, little pathetic donkey. He's not even a king. I don't even know why he was. They would have a perspective. If you ask that, the villagers, you said, tell me about Palm Sunday. They would be like, the Palm Sunday crowd are the worst. They're the ones that wrecked all my garden. They're the ones that trampled all my plants. I couldn't believe it. We look, They just made a noise. They made a mess. We couldn't wait to get them out of town. But if you went and asked those two disciples, And you went up to them and said, bro, tell me about Palm Sunday. They would have said, man, I know there was all this stuff going on around us. But Palm Sunday was the day when Jesus used me. If you went and you asked, you went up to these two disciples. Listen, we don't even know their names. And scholars and and, and theologians debate about who they were. Fact of the matter, it is for the sake of this, it doesn't even matter. But if you went up to those two guys, they would give you a perspective that was totally different to everybody else's. They would say, man, we, we were just standing up there. We were near the Mount of Olives. We were just standing there. We didn't know what was about to happen. We didn't know... We didn't know what Jesus was about to do. And then as I was standing there, Jesus started to walk toward me. I saw him coming and I thought, man, I must have done something wrong. Maybe I said something wrong or he heard me cussing or maybe he just knew that I thought about cussing. Either way, you can't win because he knows everything. I thought maybe he was going to tell me off, but then he came to me and he spoke to me and he asked me and he said, can you go and get that donkey for me? Untie the donkey and bring it to me. Isn't it incredible that this story, it was the outworkings of a prophecy years and years earlier in Zechariah 9 verse 9 that says a king will come lowly seated on a donkey. It's something we celebrate every every year as one of the most climatic things of Jesus' life. And it all stems upon two disciples' obedience to simply go and do what Jesus told them to do. If I was, and I don't even know of a sermon title, if I was going to title this sermon something, I think I would just call it Just Two Men. Just two simple dudes that was simply obedient to what God told them to do. But two guys that at the end, once it was all over, could stand back and say, he used me. Two guys that at the end, when all all the party and all of the craziness was going on and everyone's walking away with the story, these were the only two guys that were able to say, I know you're talking about a party, but man... I got to go and get the donkey. I know you're talking about this story and this thing that happened, but I was, 
always in it. Always a part of it. And as I started, as, I, as, as God began to speak to me about this simple, such a simple thought surrounding the Palm Sunday story, I started thinking how important it is or how much it means to me that God would just simply use me. That I don't want to be somebody that goes away with a story of something I saw happen. I want to be someone that can go away and say, man, I was in it. I don't want to talk about what I saw from a distance. I want to talk about something that I was a part of. I was a part of that. I believe there's volunteers here at this church that are going to talk about the move of God that's happening at Free Chapel and you're not going to be able to talk about it from a distance, but you're going to be able to say, you know what, I was in it. I was, I was directing the cars on where to park. I was handing out the little flyers, putting the flyers under seats. I was down in the connection lounge meeting and greeting people. I was in it. I was a part of it. God wants to use you. He doesn't want to do a work without you. That's why He's chosen you. And I want to give you, I've got 12 minutes. And I want to preach a real, real quick, quick message. And I want to give you three quick points. Real quickly on how to be used by God. That we see these men, these two disciples... Just just two guys. First thing is you've got to have, you've got to have an ear to hear. Are you tuned in to hear what God is telling you to do? God is not looking. Listen, God is not looking for the most talented person. We are so, our society is so obsessed with talented people. Man, we will go, we'll find a talented person and elevate them quicker than their character can handle. We will grab a talented person. Man, if they've got a talent or they've got a look, man, society, we want to push them and lift them up and raise them up. We've learned to worship talented people. God, listen, let me tell you something. God, and this will offend you, He doesn't need your talent. Listen, I appreciate how good you are. Awesome. You're great. You're creative. You're a speaker. You're a musician. You're a businessman. You're gifted. You've got an education. That's awesome. But guess what? God is pretty good at doing things. He's, listen, He's not in heaven. He's not in heaven saying, listen, look, I really just need someone creative right now. I got an idea. I just need someone that can just, I need a designer. That's what I need someone that he appreciates. Listen, yes, you're creative. He's the creator. Let me tell you, your gift came from him. Stop trying to impress him with a gift that he gave you in the first place. He's not, he doesn't need, he doesn't need gifted people. What he needs is a heart, an ear that will tune in and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
It doesn't need, it doesn't need some dude that's so full of ambition and your vision. And listen, hear my heart. Vision is great. The Bible says without vision, we perish, but the vision's got to come from Him. What He needs is He needs someone that's not motivated by your vision, but motivated by a vision from heaven that's heard through an ear that's tuned in to say, Lord, what are you saying? What is it? I can get so caught up in it myself when it comes to communicating, going through things, planning things out, looking at points, trying to get a story, trying to get an analogy. And then sometimes I've got to stop myself, put it all away and walk away and get with God and say, Lord, what do you, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? Because when we do what we want to do, people will walk away talking about how great you are. When you do what God tells you to do, people walk away saying how great He is. And that, that is the goal of our life is to lift Him up. Won't be used by Him. You've got to have, you've got to have an ear to hear. An ear to hear the second thing that you've got to have. To be used by Him is a heart that will obey. Sometimes I think the issue, more often than not, the issue is not so much hearing what He's saying, but it's obeying what He's saying. If we were to obey what it is that God is telling us to do, we would avoid so many issues in our life. There are so many different people that I'll meet with and you know, talk about a situation. I was talking with a guy about a scenario this week. And we're talking about, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. It's involved like in relationship stuff and just, I mean, it's interwound. It's just, it's a disaster. And we're talking about it. And I said, bro, I just for a second, can you just appease me for one second and answer me this? How in the heck? I might have said another word, but God forgives me. How, how did you get into this situation in the first place? What we do is God tells us to do something. We disobey what He's telling us to do. We do what we want to do. We get in a mess. Then we pray and say, God, get me out of this mess. And God says, if you were obedient to me in the first place, you wouldn't be where you are right now. I know, listen, I know this. I mean, this is not brain science. It's not. It's just basic. But this will set you up to be used by God. God said to these guys, I want you to go get a donkey. We look, we have, we have the beauty of hindsight. We look back and we know. We know what was going on there. We know what that donkey was going to do and how it was symbolic of humility and a king that came like. I, I, listen, I don't know these disciples. I don't know who they were. I don't know what revelation they had. I don't know if they knew the prophecy or not. But in the natural, what God was telling them to do didn't make sense. Jesus, I'm about to pronounce myself as king. I need you to go and get me a donkey. Some of us, if that was us and Jesus came to us and said, listen, I need you to get me a donkey. We'd be like, um, look, can I make a suggestion? Listen, I appreciate the donkey, you know, but 
like I know you're God and, and God in flesh and all of that. And that's good. But listen, I have a great idea. Here's what I see. I see a king. I see a stallion. I see people running behind. I see streamers. I see coats. I see procession. I see a band. You know those swirly things? Let's get one of those. You know those? We could throw people in the air. Listen, we need to make this thing big. Jesus, think bigger. Where's your vision, Lord? I see something amazing. That this would be, listen, let's be honest. That is how we are so often. Can I tell you something that's going to blow your mind? God does not need your help. What He needs is obedience. He says, I don't need your input. I need your availability. I don't need your ideas. Great, great ideas. Appreciate that. They all came from me anyway. Thanks for offering them back to me. I don't need those ideas. What I need is your humility that will just hear and obey. We fight, we push against it. So many people come and we'll talk with them about, will you help and pray with me? I need to hear God on this. Half the time I think that people have heard God, they just don't want to obey what God is saying. Because look at this, obedience is not always easy. Jesus said to them, I want you to go and do this. But look at this. He, he knew that they may face some opposition. Because in fact, He said to them, when you go and do it, if anyone comes and asks why you're doing this, tell them I sent you. Obedience doesn't mean it's going to be a free ride. It might be a tough road, but if you're obedient, you'll know that the road's headed in the right direction. He said to them, if you face, when you face those obstacles, what was he saying? Remember who sent you. Remember that you're not going in your authority. Remember that this was not your idea. It was God's idea. Marriage, it's not your idea. It's God's idea. So when you face an obstacle, you've got to remind that obstacle that this marriage was ordained by God. That business, seeing your kids grow up loving Jesus, being planted in the house, it's not, these are not our ideas. This, this is God's stuff. This is stuff that was ordained by God. God has mandated you to see that outworked and you might face some challenges. But whenever you face the challenges, remind the challenge, who sent you? And the last thing, first is you've got to have an ear to hear. Second, a heart to obey. And third, a faith to step out. Talk some faith. Such a simple picture. Go get a donkey. It's not their donkey. Jesus said, just said, go untie it. Talk some faith. Whatever God is calling you to, you need to know that you cannot do it on your own. That's why God called you to do it. God doesn't call people to do something that they can do on their own strength. He's not about that because that means you can do it in your own strength. He wants to be involved. 
So he calls you to do something that you can't do in your own strength so that he can get involved and do something not natural, something that's supernatural. Takes faith. Takes faith to believe. These, these two dudes, just, just, just two guys. But this whole story hinges on two guys' obedience. I don't know what would have happened if they would not obey. But I do know this. I know that the prophecy was going to be fulfilled because it was declared before these guys even got on the scene that Jesus is going to come and He's going to come as a king and He's going to be on a donkey. Let me tell you something. God will not wait. He will not hold back His will and His purpose to do what He wants to do, to hold out for someone who's disobedient. He will move on to the next. And all the while we're wrestling with God, trying to do it our way. God will not allow His purpose to be held back. This prophecy was going to happen. And if these disciples didn't obey, I don't know, I guess He would have just asked someone else. I don't want to get to heaven. And for me to be talking with God and God said, yeah, you did, you did some good stuff. This is what you could have done. If you had believed. Man, I don't, want to live, I don't want to live with that. I don't want to look down and see what, what, I could have, what we could have done. What I, could have, what I could have been a part of if I had have just believed. I talked to Pastor Jensen. This was probably two years ago we were talking. In fact, from memory... It's a funny story, but from memory, I think it's actually an interview that I did with Pastor Jensen the first time we ever met. This was before I met Caressa. And it was at a conference in Australia and Christian TV were doing something and, and I was doing some stuff with them and they said, we want you to interview. Will you do an interview with Jensen Franklin? So I said, cool, I'd love to. You know, I'd heard him preach and heard his stuff. Little did I know I was going to become his son-in-law. So, you know, he comes in, we sit down and, and, and I'm just interviewing. We're just talking. I'm asking him questions. And I, 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 from memory, I think it was actually in this interview that I asked him this question. I said, what would you do different if you could? And he said, I would believe for bigger things. And that hit me because I thought, man, someone who's done what he's done still looks back and says, I would believe for bigger things. The faith to just step out. Don't hold back. Obey what God's telling you to do. Step out and believe. If God's given it to you, if He's put it in your heart, then He's not going to leave. He's going to leave you hanging. The Palm Sunday story, it hinges on just two men. 
to men's obedience to go and do a seemingly insignificant thing that they thought is, you know, I mean, it's just, oh, we're just fulfilling a need. Just, just doing what, you know, what God will do with simple obedience. Simple obedience. And right across this room, I just want to pray and we're going to close. We can just bow our heads and close our eyes. The first thing before we, I want to give people an opportunity. In fact, before I do that, I want to ask you, because I don't want, I don't want you to go to another place in your head. I want you to think about what you're doing after this service. But I want to ask you, what's God telling you? What's God telling you to do? What has God put in your heart? And are you being obedient to what He said? Some of you are sitting, it's like you're sitting on the fence. There's a voice that's been speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. But you just keep ignoring, either because it's too hard, or you don't know what it's going to look like, or you don't know how it's going to work out, or you don't know how you're going to do it. It's time to step out and believe. It's time to be obedient to that word. Because you have no idea what's hinging on your obedience. What that might unlock in your life through simple obedience. And Lord, in this atmosphere right across this room, God, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to hearts this morning. Lord, that you would show us. Help us, Lord, to have an ear to hear. Help us to have hearts, Lord, that are obedient. And help us to have the faith, Lord, to step out and to believe. And right across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here in this room and maybe... Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you don't even quite know what that statement means. Or maybe you've been to church before or you once made a decision but you fell away from God. But this morning, you know that you're not walking with Him for whatever reason. You're not in relationship with Him and you want to get your life right with Him. You want to surrender your life to Him, to His will and His purpose for your life. If you're in this room and you're in that category, I'd love you to raise one hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Raise one hand because I want to pray with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? You say, that's me. He's talking to me. Thank you. As people here, you would describe it like, I feel like God's been chasing me down and I've been running from Him. Anybody else? You say, that's me. Pray with me. More over here. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Hands over there. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Church, can we all stand to our feet right across this room with no one leaving? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.